The 2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. Also, Grammy Award winning Ashanti Live. Then the Classic kicks off at a new time, 6 p.m. New coaches, old rivalry, and an iconic halftime battle of events. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. Methodist Hospital. You've got it locked to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, September 6th. I'm Donald Ware. Hope you had a wonderful, wonderful Labor Day. I know I did. I ate pretty good, had some uh, smoked, smoked up uh, a, uh, a, a, a butt, had a smoked pork butt and oysters, Rockefeller and peach cobbler, macaroni and cheese, some greens. So I ate really, really good. Hope you did um, as well. Of course, it's Takeaway Tuesday on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. It's the time where kind of look back at week one and uh, talk about uh, just some of the things that I saw and some of my takeaways from week one in HBCU football. First of all, Jackson State, 59-3 to over Florida A&M. It was a resounding victory. I think it was a statement game. I think, I think well, it's not a statement game, but I think Jackson State made a statement that uh, it, and I said this a little bit yesterday, that I think that, you know, it was it, not happy with the outcome or how it played. Uh, the Tigers played against uh, South Carolina State and um, made a statement in that game. Um 59-3, didn't see any running up of the score or anything like that. Jackson State just played, even brought in, you know, guys that were backups uh, that got some time and still were, were scoring points. As a matter of fact, I had turned away from the game. I forget what the score was and uh, tried to watch a little bit of that uh, Central State and Winston-Salem State game that was on NFL Network. And I turned back and Jackson State was still scoring. And then... Uh, Florida A&M threw an interception. Jackson State scored again. Florida A&M fumbled the football. Jackson State scored again. It, I mean, it was so crazy um, that I, I mean, it, it was it was almost like a it was almost like a train wreck. To be honest with you, one that you you know you or you see an accident like you can't you gotta look at it right. Like I had to, I, I just couldn't I couldn't believe it. Um, and I think at one point it was halftime in that uh, Central State and Winston-Salem State game uh, anyway. But it was just, I mean, you can't really say any more other than it was a beatdown, okay? And Jackson's, and, and Willie Simmons said as much uh, in, in the, uh, on the SWAT call uh, on Monday. Absolutely, uh, Jackson State beat Florida A&M down. Florida A&M had... All but eight of its players uh, from the 26 that were, uh, well, not well, not really ineligible, but not certified, although a few of them were ineligible, two or three maybe were ineligible. And, I, you know, I watched this game. And, you know, I had a chance to see Shador Jack- Sanders, uh, the quarterback for Jackson State, play uh, on last year. And he had a high completion percentage the, game, the couple of games that I saw him play. Um, he was unbelievable in this game. I think at one time he may have been like 16 of 16 from the field, uh, something like that. But I'm going to give you the numbers so I'll make sure I have this right. 29 
of 33, 323 yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions in the ballgame. Some of them were short passes, but there were some good long passes in there as well. There were some some balls that were that were caught, you know, that were were thrown where his receiver could catch it. His accuracy is unbelievable. He is a superb quarterback in just as just a sophomore, and no doubt he was our HBCU or the Boxer Row HBCU National Player of the Week uh, for his efforts. It was just a tremendous, tremendous effort by Jackson State, a tremendous football game. And uh, what more can you say? Now, uh, for me, Jackson State still um, has to be the team to beat. And I would still say, excuse me, South Carolina State to me is still the team to beat because at the end of the day, South Carolina State beat Jackson State head-to-head last year. You, we can talk about the domination by Jackson State over Florida a and We can talk about South Carolina State losing to Central Florida, although you're looking at South Carolina State moving up, so they have one loss. I mean, no matter which way you slice it, Jackson State is 1-0. South Carolina State is 0-1. But I would still say that I would, for me, I, I, you have to beat the champion so South Carolina, uh, until South Carolina State loses either to Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl or doesn't play in the Celebration Bowl and Jackson State wins, I mean, I still would have Jackson State or South Carolina State uh, number one. That said, taking a look at the, the HBCU coaches poll, Jackson State received all but one first place vote is number one, followed by South Carolina State at number two. North Carolina Central, a big win, big win over North Carolina A&T in the Dukes Mayo Classic or the Aggie Eagle Classic in Charlotte. Big time performance. I'm going to talk more about that. That's one of my takeaways. Uh, number four is Prairie View A&M. And number five is Old Corn State. In the media poll, Jackson State received um, all of the, I think it was all, it was actually all but one first place vote. Uh, followed by Bowie State at number two, South Carolina State. Bowie State with a nice win. Uh, number two, South Carolina State. Number three, Albany State with a nice win also. Uh, number four, and Southern at number five. And if you want to see those polls in their entirety, you can log on to our website at boxtorow.com. Also, don't forget the HBCU D2 coaches poll will also be released a little bit later on. Today, another one of my takeaways, as I mentioned, North Carolina A&T or North Carolina Central with the win over North Carolina A&T. They had about thirty-seven thousand uh, there, which was which is pretty good. Uh, so the old Aggie Eagle Classic on Labor Day weekend, and um, you got to be impressed with North Carolina Central. You got to be impressed with the defensive side of the football. I was very impressed with the quarterback Davius Richard. He was 20 of 32 in the ball game, 200 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He also rushed for like another 30-some yards and rushed for two touchdowns as well. Sometimes, and, and by the way, North Carolina Central was 10 of 16 on third down conversions. There were some times when A&T would just rush three, drop eight back. And in talking with Coach Washington, what he said is that in the past, that's what they would do against him. And it would be successful. But this time around, you got to give North Carolina Central credit. Trey Oliver and his staff scouted. And they probably told uh, 
Davius Richard. Look, if, if you get in a third and long situation, this is how A&T is going to play you. This is how you beat A&T. A lot of short passes to tailor the running back out of the backfield. And also Richard used his legs as well. And it was an absolutely dominating performance by North Carolina Central, who deserves uh, to be at number three in the uh, coaches poll. No question about that. Another one of my takeaways um, on the MIAC call was on the MIAC call. And Dawson Odoms, the head football coach at Norfolk State, was just talking about having to play up and having to play Marshall. Norfolk State lost to Marshall 55-3. to And he <clears throat> didn't say, he, he kept saying, we understand why we have to play these money games and so on and so forth. So then I asked him the question. I said, well, are you, with that said, I mean, are you for or against playing these types of games? And he didn't say either way. He said he understood, obviously, we, that they had to play the game, but... At the same time, there's a lot that can go wrong. The score, number one. Number two, injuries because you're playing up. Guys, you know, those teams at that level have more scholarships. Now, Marshall's a really good program. It wasn't like, it's a really good program. It's not a power five program. But it's a really good program. Nonetheless, that's a tough game for Norfolk State. And one of the things also that Coach Odom said, I said, well, is there a way that that can be rectified? How do you rectify that? How do you... What's the balance there? And he said, well, we've got five home games. We need our uh, fans to come out and support the team during those five home games. Remember, that stadium on the campus of Norfolk State is the largest on camp. I believe it's the, at least at one time, if, I don't know if it still is, but it's the largest on-campus facility um, in, in FCS football. It holds 30,000 people, right? So if you can get at least 20,000, to kind of come out or buy tickets at least for the 20,000, then you maybe you don't have to play those money games. But I mean, I, I'm for the money games myself personally, because I think you have to, you have to make, you have to generate revenue and attendance. You know, you can look at a Jackson state and Jackson state has led the FCS in attendance for many, many years. So it's a little bit different at a Jackson state than it is at a Norfolk state, Right. Um, but to me, I'm for the money games. I think you have to have some of those money games. But Damon Wilson, I asked him the same question. He made a great point. It's, he said it depends on the money game you play. Uh, you don't, you know, it, it, maybe you don't want to play a power five, but you can play a lower tier FBS. And you got to look at the money. Like, you know, I remember, you know, a and played Kent State, you know, back in 2016. I think the the the, the guarantee was like 350. $400,000, something like that for A&T. And a won that football game. Um, so do you, you know, how do you balance that? I mean, but even in the same vein, you know, a and 2015 plays a Carolina. It's like a $400,000 guarantee, right? So there's no, that's only a $50,000 difference in a guarantee. It's probably worth, to Coach Wilson's point, playing maybe a lower tier FBS program getting that 350, 300, 350, then playing a higher tier um, FBS program. And like we've seen, we've seen, you know, we saw Jackson State almost beat Louisiana last year. You've seen A&T win some of those games. We saw in the past where Bethune-Cookman has won some of those games against FBS opponents. Um, we saw Tennessee State going back a couple of years ago beating Georgia Southern. So there, there's an opportunity 
to win some of those games on the lower tier and get paid. I'm for the money games, no doubt, especially where we stand right now as HBCUs. Uh, and then maybe if we get to a level where, you know, we're, the attendance is up, the money is much better, then you don't have to play uh, those games. I asked Buddy Pugh also on the call, how do you balance pl- the player situation? How do you balance? Because he's had, you know, he's had players that have had success. Darius Leonard had success against Clemson. That's where he sort of, his name became bigger. Uh, you know, uh, you look at um, uh, his young man from last year. Uh, oh boy, his name is escaping me. They just got drafted, the cornerback. Um, they just got drafted last year uh, for South Carolina State. He made his name or got his name out there more um, against Clemson uh, last year with the two interceptions. So I asked him, how do you balance, sort of balance uh, the two? Uh, and and it, is a, it is a balance because you don't want to get anybody hurt because the game, a game like that, in the bigger scheme of things for the program, doesn't mean a whole lot. It may mean more for some individuals, individuals because you want to see what those guys do against FBS opponent and top-tier a competition. So, you know, there certainly is a balancing act uh, there. That was number three in terms of my takeaways uh, from week one. Number four, Fayetteville State. Big win, I think, over UNC Pembroke. I mean, I and I, I mentioned this yesterday. Maybe this is the year that Fayetteville State can get over the hump. You look at the victory over Pembroke. I mean, Fayetteville State hadn't beaten Pembroke. These two teams are separated by 40, 50 miles, something like that, in forever. And so you start the season off 15 to 12 victory. Right. I mean, you know, Fayetteville State looking to be back in that CIAA uh, championship game this year. Maybe this is the year that they get over the hump. Albany State, big win over Mississippi College because up next for Albany State is Florida A&M. And I'm going to tell you what, Albany State's probably feeling pretty good right now. Big victory, a top notch defense, Florida A&M's coming off an embarrassing loss. So, you know, Albany State's probably got to be going in there with some kind of confidence, a, a mentality with nothing to lose. I mean, I don't, you know, I think it's one of those things. Um, it, it's To me, it wasn't indicative of the way, f- the kind of program Florida A&M is. In other words, Jackson State was just on a mission with a much better football team. I think Florida A&M will bounce back as the season progresses as the guys they continue to get guys back as some of those guys um get some games under their belts no doubt about it so that's another one of the takeaways um that i had from uh week one in hbcu uh football let's see any other uh i'm just trying to think of any other takeaways that i really i really had um from week one in hbcu football um you know you have these games and it's always in the beginning where you have H and I didn't count it this time, but HBCUs playing non HBCUs. And, you know, once again, HBCUs didn't fare as well as you would have liked, but you have, you know, the Fayetteville States of the world. Um, you have uh, the, uh, the Albany States of the world that were able to get uh, victories over non um, HBCU teams. Um, you have West Virginia state started off the season. Nice with a victory over uh, Shippensburg. I mean, there were, I think, a couple of other HBCUs. Langston got a victory over Oklahoma Panhandle State. So there were a couple 
in, you know, even like in Old Corn State, tough loss, lost in the last seconds, um, in the last minutes to Stephen F. Austin. That would have been a nice uh, victory because you're, now you're talking about an even playing field and not necessarily a school playing up. Um, but we'll see how that progresses as the season uh, goes on because, as you know, I mean, these are non-conference games, so you have these opportunities uh, to play non-HBCUs. Uh, and you want to see HBCUs do better uh, than they did this week, and we'll see ultimately what happens uh, next week. So that will wrap it up for the HBCU Football Daily Podcast uh, for today. Uh, of course, uh, once you to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU Football uh, Daily Podcast. We're going to give you opinions. We're going to give you insight. Um, and you can find all of that on our Box to Row YouTube page. Uh, if you want to watch the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, you can also listen on our website at BoxToRow.com, also on iHeartMedia.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. Talk with you tomorrow.